everybody. Welcome to Back to Reality, a reality <laughs> TV time machine. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Alex Allwine. And I'm Jordan Skinner. Come back on a marvelous journey back in time with us to the year 2000. Mm. Two zero zero zero. When we That's not Y2K, is it? Because I was too young to understand what it Y2K was, uh, was. That was when the whole world ended, actually, and we've been living in a computer simulation ever since. So, you know, spoiler alert. Um, Also, in the year 2000, (laughs) the first season of Survivor aired, which was really cool. We're watching that. That is what we're watching right now in this first season of Back to Reality. Um, But I kind of had a question for you, Alex, about... Mm -hmm. um, what what ha- what else what else happened Let's other just than make Survivor? A segue into what else? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at your pages of notes so of this notes. segment. We thought we could easily segue into. <laughs> Tell us say, some other things. Let me just say, year 2000, first season of Survivor, monumental, crazy, monumental. pivotal, amazing. Some other things that are also those words. Gilmore Girls was still on TV. What? Britney Spears was a viable artist. The New York Yankees had won the World Series. The St. Louis Rams, I know, won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Where's St. Louis? Um, that, you know, um, mm-hmm. Good call. <laughs> Shout out to St. Louis. Yep. Check out our live oh, dates coming up. Wherever you are. Um, George W. Bush was Time Magazine's Man of the Year. But you have to be when you win the presidency, right? Isn't that like the law? I- you yes. have to be man I mean, of the year. 2000 was his sweet spot in terms of his presence, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, J-Lo shocked the world with a very low-cut, like, green uh, Grammys dress. And she was also dating Puff Daddy, Puff Dragon, P. Diddy at the time. Was he called Puff Dragon at the time? I don't know if it was at the time, but he has been known to be called by such a name. Um, also, Blockbuster declined the chance to buy Netflix uh, <laughs> this year, which was... God damn you all to hell! Jen and Brad were still married. O Magazine came into existence and Mary-Kate and Ashley filled, filmed the seminal classic Our Lips Are Sealed in Sydney, Australia. Wow. Also Creed. Um, with arms wide open. <laughs> yeah, the single with arms wide open. I'm very glad you brought that up. You know who loves Creed? Hmm. My mother. No, she doesn't. Yeah, my mother loves Creed. Are you lying? Well, because that's Scott Stapp. He really came from like a very good place. He came from a place. Like he loves Are Jesus. You be- no, I'm I'm being serious. Are you being facetious? I'm serious. My mom <laughs> loves Creed. Call her right now. She loves Creed. Hey, y'all. You heard it here first. Hey, hey, y'all. Well, I just heard. But I think um, that we can both agree that the most important thing to happen in the year 2000 was... Hmm. Survivor season one episode two. I disagree vehemently, but like I. But don't you like the segue though? Yes, I enjoy. (laughs) I enjoy it very much. So yes, season one episode Mm -hmm. two. You remember what it's called? Generation gap. (laughs) So how does it start? What happens? The generations, generations of them are gapping. They gap. Um, gap. So first we're at Tagi. Um, and you see Stacy trying to organize the women against Rudy and Sue is not on board. She is like, oh, these chicks say that they're going to, you know, they want me to vote and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then she will not vote that way, apparently. 
That that's what happens in last time on Survivor. Is that what happens last time? That happens last time. It starts off like this. It's like This is what happens when you watch the show alone and then make your own notes and no, then come and watch it again. <laughs> Alex watched the show without me, y'all. Guys, she didn't wait. No, this is, she watched this it is without actually me. what happens. And then Sue says the chick's line. And then Richard wants to learn more about Stacy. That's what happens. That's the beginning. I, I agree, with, the, I agree with that part. The last part I like. They previewed what was going to happen in this episode, last episode, with the whole, like, Sue's not voting with the women I just thing. wanted to tell everyone that you watched the show without <sighs> me first, because I'm still a little hurt. Well, because somebody rescheduled, so whose fault was it really? Yours. You watched it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. All I wrote, my first note is that Rudy isn't hungry enough to eat rats, so anything <laughs> that happened before that, honestly, is a black, no, black hole to me. I do remember, um, so we're at Tagi, and you have maybe, I think it's Sue, Stacy, and Richard going out to check the fish traps mm-hmm. or whatnot, and then one of the... Th- the reasons that I wrote this down, I mean, it was a supremely boring segment. Very. Um, but... I wrote it down because in Richard's confessional, he's like, I want to know more about Stacy. And I was like, Richard, this is your social game. Because like, why mm-hmm. the fuck would you want to know more about Stacy? She seems like a very blank slate. But like, <laughs> it's only because you voted for Stacy, but she came to you and said that Rudy voted for her. So Richard's thinking in he's his mind, like, like the wheels are turning. He's like, oh, who is this stupid person? That he's I a can... predator, man. He's a That's, total predator. Yes. He's the only person at this stage of the game that is showing that yeah, type of is. skill and facility. The only person. He's the only one who thinks like that. He's thinking like she. she's like. The slow one that he can catch, basically. Yeah, that's why I was uh, like, he when he said, I'm really interested in like finding out more about Stacey. I was like, why? Why? Because <laughs> you, because she told you how she voted and you were like, oh. Like, what the frick? Yeah. Rudy also says of Stacey that she's too um, prim-like. She, yeah, and she, that she would get like a rude awakening or something. A rudy awakening? Ooh, that's not good. That's not good. It was a bit threatening, though. (laughs) (laughs) He did say she was going to get a rude awakening one of these days in a very ominous tone. She just seems very oblivious and as though people are voting or living in a certain righteous and like rational way when really that's not exactly the way that when this in game actuality is they're on a reality tv yeah. show she's like well this just makes sense and like i'm gonna gather the women and then sue's like hey <laughs> no and then <laughs> you know what i mean like you don't know me exactly but that's so true it's what day two she doesn't know her it's day uh Four at this point because every three days there's oh, a, it's a right, three day cycle right. but still it might Whatever. as well be day two it's not even right? a week it's like episode come two come on get with it Stace <laughs> we switch over then to uh, Pagong mm-hmm. uh, Jenna likes BB's work ethic as does Colleen as does Colleen but I think Colleen also as we were talking about kind of prior to this has a very much has a feeling of yeah. oh this is my grandfather he's so cute and so homely and so this and that and like blah blah, blah. <laughs> I think you said it before that she gets far on this show by being genial yeah and this is like the she start gives the of benefit. it she's starting yeah. to do it right yeah but she's she only like, has yeah. nice things to say about everyone that's true and the thing that's hard is that I wish in a 
in a well maybe not in a perfect world but the confessionals are still not authentic or like truthful <laughs> and i wish they were because i'm like nobody else is gonna see this can you please just oh, tell me yeah. what you're doing it they're all they're all talking like uh everyone else is gonna hear yes, what they say they're still playing their archetypes they're still playing their characters they're like i'm just colleen you don't actually think this like come on the confessional becomes more of a confessional later on and now it's just like you can't trick me i love everyone and that's right. the game i'm playing <laughs> they're still playing a game against the producers against, against the producers the, right the team that's maybe maybe that's the true game you're playing is the game well, against the producers. i mean there might also be like a subterfuge aspect of it where you don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing by a producer so you're going to present yourself in a certain way for the time being anyways i mean that would be very smart if that's, that's what's like going an on. inception thing of like game a, within the game. That is a very, a very meta thing. I would the, definitely um, do that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you would. I would definitely be. Aware but you of that. would win Survivor. I would be like, I'm just happy to be here. I had the best time. I had the time. Listen, y'all, I had the time <laughs> of my life. Made so many good friends. Oh my god, I I would win Survivor if it was people. If I knew anybody going into that game, I would not be able to win. Because they'd be like, listen, she's very ticklish. And then you'd be done. (laughs) No, no, because of my conscience. I really, like, if I thought about this question, if you and I went into the game together, I really wouldn't be able. Then I would win. Probably, because Because I feel so bad. Because I'd get you to do all my... You would evil backstabbing shit, and at the end, I'd be like, "Alex, I need the money." Well, that's it's okay. That's the part of it too. Who? What was it? It Was Stacy and Susan and Jenna? Or is this come up later? Oh, never mind. Don't jump ahead. Sorry, sorry. Don't jump ahead. I'm not trying to. Basically, what's happening though in Pagong when we're finding out that everyone loves Bibi's work work ethic is that they're all pitching in together to build the new and improved Except shelter. Except for Ramona. Well, She's Ramona's struggling. Throwing up a lot. Yeah, she can't keep shit down. Um, She's having a hard time being there. And Bibi is still ragging on her mm. and along with other people they're like oh she's just not pulling her weight and they're like cutting back and forth between shots of her puking and saying that it's very weird yeah there's a funny moment too where craig is trying to reach something high up on the um <laughs> hut <laughs> and uh the way that he gets up there because bb the old man is so much taller than him mm. he grabs him by like the, the shorts the shorts and the hair and his hair at the top of his hair and he lifts him up and he's able to reach the top of the Here's hut. Here's the thing, it though. I'm going to disagree weird. with you. He already reached the top of the hut. But Bibi needed BB to help. Hung on to those <laughs> two um, points of BB's interest. got to help, you know? You know? Just give oh, him that BB one Oh, Bibi also inch. makes some chopsticks for everyone. I thought that was cute. Yeah, he makes chopsticks for everyone. He's very valuable. Um, While we're on the subject of BB, actually, I do want to bring up... Do a little research because we have what seventeen years of oh yeah that's true information accrued about these people. <laughs> so I thought, why not use that to our advantage? Good call. So here's the thing: the generation gap, that being the theme of this episode, it's yeah. basically about the young people versus the old people, and the two old archetypes are BB and Rudy mm-hmm. for each respective yeah. tribe. So just to give a little bit of backstory about each of them and then we'll continue the conversation bb was born in 1936 holy <laughs> he was a navy seal and he did actually and i know that we talked about this first episode bb was stu- a navy seal too he's stu- both navy, navy seals both of them they're 
two faces of the same coin. Oh my God. He studied civil engineering. Okay. So he knows the shit. And then he was also a general contractor and a real estate developer and he has his own company. He was also appointed by Ronald Reagan to the advisory board of the DIA, which is the Defense Intelligence Agency. And he served on that for like 11 and a half years. And then he decided to be on Survivor? And then, not yet, he he declined several ambassadorships by the Bush administration during this time. So, actually... The Bush administration or the man of the year administration? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was W (laughs) or senior, actually. But within the last eight years before he was on Survivor, he declined ambassadorships. Oh, my God. Which is insane. Yeah. So this man has a bit of a rap sheet. Like, he has experienced some bullshit. Unfortunately, he died in 2013 of brain cancer. Oh, no. So that is something that we give out and condolences to the family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, this man lived quite a life and is accomplished in many different ways. And I wanted to bring that up because... I don't know how much he's told everybody or how much they know about him. If he's told anyone anything, it's not shown. Right. Because he is portrayed as, I mean, this is a perfect example of, you know, reality TV archetyping, but he is just completely made to be the grouchy old man. And he does it well. Um, To be fair, I know a lot of people, uh, people very close to me that were in the DIA, um, and just because you have this experience doesn't mean that you're an entirely enlightened human being <laughs> is what I will put out there. But it does speak to something that you had all these accolades and that you were in charge of this and mm-hmm. that you I mean, he has a lot of successes in his life. He's made a difference in certain ways, but still that doesn't. I mean, we'll get to this a little bit further on, but so much of the accolades and the accomplishments and the life that was lived by these older men doesn't necessarily discount the type of tomfoolery and or fuckery that they find themselves Tom fuckery that they find themselves in. I'm gonna use Tom fuckery in a sentence four times this week. That's my goal. That's a a good phrase. It's so true, though, because now having known all that, mm-hmm. it does. Um, it colors the way that you. It think colors about, the way yeah. I think about it, but it doesn't change the fact that he's still being a. I a mean, the shitty parts are the shitty parts, and yeah. the shitty parts are the shitty parts. But everything else, you can kind of be like, oh, like I mean, now I totally get why he's so like work ethic oriented and so like we have to be doing things constantly we have to be like working towards a common goal and Mm -hmm. anyone who's not needs to step aside yeah that's a very uh man i can't even believe that they don't touch on the fact that he was even in the military at all are we sure that he they don't bring up the ex-navy seal thing on his like uh, maybe banner. they do, but I just associate that so much with Rudy because it but stays. It's, yeah, Rudy's but it is thing. both of them for sure. And he, when we get to him, yeah. oh my god, the things that that man has done. Well, should we maybe switch over to then what's sure. going on so next at Toggy? Yeah. yeah. Um, Richard is sort of recognizing or um, making it known his feelings about Rudy's homophobia and yeah, the because, reservations thereof. Because this is the first time that we, as the audience, are giving confirmation that 
Richard is gay. Right. And he starts talking about it. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of brought into this sort of like boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom I mean, the, music score the first version part of, of it, how to confront yeah. homosexuality. But it's Richard 2000s. in a confessional at first being yeah. like, I know that if Rudy found this out, he'd probably have a, a hard time with it, I think. Yeah. And then they show him talking to the other members of the group about it and the thing is <laughs> that Sean Sean is the worst <laughs> I think like of all the more in like covertly insidious ways of talking about being gay Sean has the distinct quality of just putting foot after foot in his mouth and later on he's being trying uh, so hard to be like you homosexuals don't like to be called that you like to be called gay and then Richard's like well I didn't say that and he's like oh he's doing the thing where like <laughs> in the face of something you're obviously ignorant about you feel the need to talk more yeah yeah which is like a really funny defense mechanism where what you should be doing is just like shut up and listen for yeah. a second get your bearings dude you don't even know what's going on right now yeah cause he says that he's like he says homosexual and he catches himself. He goes, oh, I know like, I know you don't like to be called homosexual because you're not homosexual. You're gay. And Richard's like, I never said <laughs> to that. To be fair, to be fair, maybe it's, it's probably, well, more than likely that Sean, who I want to call Dean, but his name is Sean. Sean has been in contact with the people that happen to be gay that um, were, you know, they, they didn't, very much enjoy being called the homosexuals or homosexuals. Well, which is exactly what fucking Rudy does, right? Yeah. As soon as he finds out, which I mean, this well, comes a little there, later. There isn't a conflict and there isn't a, a confession. There isn't a coming out either. It's just he already kind of knows and they don't really explain it. I think what happened because they gloss over it. It seems like what happened is he finds out from someone else. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Richard finds out he knows, and he comes up, and he says, hey, you want to talk about it? And Rudy says, no, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but also is just, like, doesn't change my... Yeah. It doesn't change how I'm going to act around you, basically. No. But he goes on to, like, tell the the audience at home, like, you know, the homosexual this and the homosexual that. Yeah. And it's kind of... Well, yeah. I think... It- this kind of actually brings up a it bespeaks i guess in a certain way of what the year 2000 was like mm-hmm. the verbiage and the vernacular that was being used yeah. um and i also think because i was thinking about the current culture not our current culture but for them where they were at uh, culturally speaking, for minority Isn't it crazy groups. that like Elton John was gay. I feel like they're still there. Well, I well, <laughs> <laughs> probably we're all still there at we're some all, point. We're just some, like in some way shocking, we're all still just shocked, shocked that Elton John is gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think about like the two two thousand, but then predating that, like the few years into the late 1990s even, we're in a Reagan culture of uh-huh. colorblindness, of yeah. being tolerant above everything and not tolerant in the way of like blanketing the um, diversity that is possible. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm gonna, I'm I'm fine with everything as long as you don't put it in my face. As long as like, you can do whatever you want in your bedroom, but yeah, don't like totally. make it me. Well, even I think it's uh, Sue, right? Who says it's a lifestyle. When she's trying to correct right. Sean for saying that, she's like, it's not always about sex, it's a lifestyle. Right. And then Richard's like, well, okay, no, that's not true either. Yeah. 
And so Richard's just trying to do this whole thing where he's trying to play the role. We were kind of talking about it a little bit when we were watching it, that it must be hard in like this time to be confronted with so many different, uh, like ignorance from so many different points of view and still have to play the role of like being the very genial or educating and being a role model or being the spokesperson. And then he goes on to say after just like having to deal with all this shit that he goes on to say, like, I've never dealt with as, as a gay man, I've never dealt with any prejudice. Which and I just I just well I I believe that that's something he he feels like he has to say right maybe maybe yeah. or he just under the definitions that he has of what prejudice is yeah he yeah. doesn't necessarily he's like I wasn't killed for being gay yeah I mean, yeah people might be uncomfortable and squirrely about it but they're not like hurting me because of this like I it's just it's it's yeah it's, are you saying millennials are too sensitive Alex. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I just think that, yeah, this is the interesting thing about going yeah. back and watching something almost 20 years later. It's so is strange. where they were and and the way in which someone would have to live their life. I mean, granted, he's a white man. Yeah. He's also quite wealthy. Yeah. He has a lot of privilege that goes along with it. So maybe mm-hmm. he can more easily discount some type of homophobia in his life because he probably grew up in a circumstance that wasn't, you know, that yeah. was heteronormative. It, yeah. Oh man, completely, completely agree with that. Yeah. It, I just thought it was really funny that he said, yeah, I mean, how, that's, how nice for him. That's that, yeah, great. I, I mean, <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing like, that I feel like no one would ever feel like they had to say like, oh no, it's fine that I'm gay because I've never been experience well i also think as we said before richard is playing this game on a different level than anybody else so even that goes back to it and that gets into the weird meta shit too that i was talking about that we were both talking about earlier about like playing the production team or playing the conceptions of the audience like yeah totally how many at this point in the year 2000 or in the 1990s really what type of representation did lgbt characters have on television what type of narratives were given he's probably playing the producers in that moment so that they don't villainize him and in but some they do way anyways. Like, well they do anyway but he's he's still able to make it um like very known that he is like really good friends with rudy still and it right. doesn't hurt their relationship maybe let's talk about rudy's background so, a little bit yes let's do that really quick before we get into more of this the whole of rudy doesn't have a problem with it as long as he doesn't make him gay type right, thing like right. there's gay in the water and frogs are being t- feminized <laughs> um jurassic park was that a jurassic park reference no that was an Infowars alex jones reference because i'm topical okay so rudy is actually the oldest survivor that ever was he was born in 1928 really? yeah that is his claim to fame how old was he when he went on survivor do we know I think he was in the seventies. Wow. Maybe. Um, Holy crap. I mean, yeah, we could do 72, the math. 72. Yeah. Um, so he wow. was a Navy SEAL. He joined in 1945. So the end of 
World War II. Jesus. And he was an amphibious scouts and raids. That was his, he was part of that, which was interesting because like, <laughs> if you think about the technology, I mean, go research it. The technology for amphibious raids in 1945 was kind of hilarious. Um, he was... They were in like diving bells at that point. I mean, like the (laughs) shit that they had to deal with. I cannot even fathom. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, So he was also in a a highly classified command unit in 1951. He completed the UDT, the underwater um, demolition team. And then he was in that for the next two years. In 1962, he was selected for SEAL Team 2 which is such a huge honor and he became one of their most distinguished members. He completed, he completed two team. Oh God. He completed two terms in Vietnam. So we were right about that. Wow. We were okay. And he won a bronze star medal for heroic action in more than 45 combat operations. More than 45. Yeah. yeah. He was also in the 1980s. He was the senior enlisted advisor for the special ops, um, I can't. It's USSO com basically. I can't remember what I wrote. So he was advising all of the enlisted members of the military at that point, like across joint command, which was insane. And then he was honorably discharged in 1990 after 45 years of service. Holy shit! And then 10 years later, he's on Survivor. Well, so is he? He's not still alive, is he? Um, I did not find as i did with bb like a death thing so he might actually be still alive unless we want to check it out on the computer i feel like we should um because wow what a life though like yeah yeah and this is just my brief footnotes of like this (laughs) of what's gone on for him he's still alive really holy shit jesus yeah ornery motherfucker good for him he is 89 years old right now. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Rudolph. Rudolph E. Bosch. Yeah. What the hell, Rudy? He's a good old boy. He <laughs> is a good... Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, um, you know, he's got a very uh, don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. Well, honestly, I'm, Yeah. About I mean, Richard, that's, right? That's pretty... He, he's praising him for being instrumental to the tribe, being very mm-hmm. valuable, having leadership skills, etc. But once again, he's still operating under that sort of antiquated idea mm-hmm. of as long as you don't gay me up, then we're totally fine. He's so freaked out about that it's really funny well i mean that's kind of the thing that i was thinking about with both of them with bb and rudy and one of the thoughts and questions that i had after viewing this episode was how a younger generation interacts with the older generation if your own preconceived notions of their unwillingness to change Mm -hmm. is going to set you at a deficit because it would be like oh never mind we'll just leave it alone they're going to have their biases they're going to be racist they're going to be homophobic they're going to be sexist whatever they're old they're never going to change oh yeah 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 how far do you go in order to, for want of a better phrase, educate. And then who do you think that you are to educate someone that has all of the, like both of these men are highly uh, accomplished. Because I can see both sides of that coin. Right. Like obviously who, who the fuck would I be to say something to someone with that kind of history right. and that kind of life experience. Right. But at the same time, wouldn't it kind of be my duty as a person who knows otherwise it's kind of imperative because yes we're all living at the same time but 
they stopped evolving with the rest of uh-huh. us at a certain point in their life. And I would say too, like, um, I mean, to use like my own grandmother as an example, mm-hmm. say like, um, not to get too personal about it, but she's, uh, she's never stopped evolving and changing. Same and with my she's grandmother. like, yeah. you know, she's going to get a tattoo and she used to <laughs> never think uh, she would ever want a tattoo. Um, she's got, a you know, a devout, uh, Italian, hundred percent Italian Catholic woman oh my God. with a gay son, yeah. a gay granddaughter and a trans grandson. Mm-hmm. And she is the most open, lively, willing person ever. So I think you can't, you just can't ever think that someone, you should never discount the fact that someone can, has more room to grow and learn yeah. no matter what point. And I think, you know, sometimes these like, oh man, these rap sheets like you're talking about, yeah. they can be they can daunting. Cloud, yeah. They can cloud it. But I think at the end of the day, like you got to just, yeah, you got to say something. You have to at yeah. least try. And I think that's important. I think no matter where you come from or how established you believe yourself to be, when times are changing and the vernacular is changing and the way that we interact and respect one another is changing. You have to step up no matter what it is because words are powerful. Yeah. The, the sort of reintegration of like an older vernacular or the fact that he keeps on calling him a homosexual or the fact that like just certain platitudes or way or ontologies rather that are repeated, they become ingrained and to a negative effect. I, Sort okay. I actually will go into this. So it's yeah, like do it. <laughs> so it's like using the N word. Yeah. And if you have an older person from a certain area and you're like, oh well, and let's say you're in a white family. Yeah. From a certain region, from a you know, whatever, whatever. Little Rock, Arkansas. No. For example. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I'll never let you live that one do down. That. <laughs> But there's a certain point where you're like, oh, this is my 89-year-old grandfather. And he's so, like, innocuous and yeah. he doesn't mean anything by it. He's just so old. He's stuck in his ways. It's the, but at the same time, this one word, when repeated and used throughout history as it has been, is the key ingredient to dehumanizing an entire race to the yeah. point where their lives are worth a percentage of some other person's life. Yeah. Like it, it, it isn't just a drop in the ocean. It's and not. even if it was a drop in the ocean, it still makes up some part of the ocean. So you can't just, I think it, it is convenience almost that drives you to be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, there's, they're this, they're that. That is a and very good way to put it. It the, is convenient. It is convenient. And also the familiarizing and the sort of, you attenuate this attenuate that's not the word I want to use but you sort of ascribe this person to being part of your family because maybe their likeness or maybe how many attributes remind you of your elders and your grandparents or whatnot and then that familiarizing also puts you at a place where you're like oh well then they're fine you trivialize what they're actually doing and it's not for nothing it's not waves of being politically correct and then a downturn and then it's it doesn't move in a wave pattern it's people being more conscious and more uh open and available to understanding how their privilege impacts other people so you can't speak in this way anymore and letting someone just go because they're old uh-huh. seems lazy to it me is. personally <laughs> Pagong, however, because I don't have a segue for that. I think we just really covered that topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Um, Ramona is really, really hurting. She can't keep food down. She's throwing up. They're just eating like plain white rice. Yeah, and like a little papaya. And granted, papaya is disgusting. It, it um, smells weird. Yeah. It's gross. Um, Jervis is super understanding. I feel like the way that this is edited, he is the most concise in a lot yeah. of ways. Like yeah. he really brings about uh, clarity. I didn't like that BB called her lazy. I didn't either. And I don't want to. It was so shitty. For some reason, I don't want to immediately go to the whole like he called a black woman lazy thing, but also like shit. Come on. I know. Because I think there's also some clever, or not even clever, some obvious editing that's going on. Because you do get a few cuts of her like picking up things and putting things down or whatever the fuck it is. Um, And everyone else. So while she's sick, you have Gretchen that really speaks to the fact that Ramona has been quite successful in her life outside of Survivor. And maybe she's having a hard time reconciling the fact that she's not the strongest member of the tribe right now, which I think is quite true. It's a really valid point. Because yeah. It's also, she brings up the fact that like R- Ramona is uh, kind of loath to bring up, even if she's not actively helping as much as she'd like. Yeah. She's loath to bring up the fact that she is hurting. Yeah. And she doesn't want to like burden anyone yeah, with it. Yeah, and she, she wants wouldn't to acknowledge like put it. on a yeah. good face mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to lie down. She wants to try and eat the food mm-hmm. and she wants to try and help. And Gretchen's like, I think what she needs to do is just kind of like take it easy and get better. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is such Gretchen's an interesting... Gretchen's aware of it and BB is not. And well, yeah, because other... then BB goes back to being like, yeah, she's nobody's working, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Jervis says quite pointedly and quite correctly that if you're not working as hard as BB, then you're not working at all, basically. <laughs> yeah, Jervis brings up the very good point yeah. of like everyone has a different job and everyone is doing that job. Yeah. And to say that... You know, this person's job is not as difficult mm-hmm. means you have a bad worth work ethic just completely discounts the fact that you were doing the job that needed to be done. Yeah. And it's super polarizing. It's, it's super not ingratiating in any way. And the thing about BB that I found interesting in these confessional sort of quick cuts was that he seems quite cognizant of the way that people perceive him. Yeah, he's but he, pretty aware he that everyone is. hates he's him. He's pretty aware of like what his work ethic and what his sort of pedantic, didactic way of being is doing to other people. But at the same time, he doesn't seem at all interested in changing that. I mean, he yeah, he doesn't seem interested in changing that at all. And he's also much concerned with his comfort, his Very. personal comfort. He keeps comfort. saying like, I won't get, I won't, uh, you know, do anything that'll get in the way of my survival or my comfort. Mm -hmm. It's always like those two things together. And it's like, uh, and that's when you kind of knew that that would be his downfall. Really? Like at the end of the day, I'm like, uh oh, um, so we're day five. We're still with Pagong. Colleen and Greg. Is this the Colleen and Greg thing? Yeah, it is, babe. Oh, guys, we have, oh yeah, wow. We have a little blossoming romance in the form of Colleen and Greg. Maybe. Will they? Won't Won't they? they? Ramona's trying to turn this G movie into a PG. She is. That's for sure. (laughs) She's dropping like, we don't know where they were, what they were doing, for how long. Well, having said that, they (laughs) talked to Greg about it. And Greg says, these are two quotes he says of Colleen. He says she's fun to play with Mm -hmm. and that she is rough and ready. She's uh, rough and ready. Right. Which is, I feel like, no, Jordan. playing playing into 
because Greg plays the producers in a different way. And maybe this is a fun time to talk mm. about how Greg is. Mm-hmm. Greg is very um, perceptive of like what what the audience is seeing. He's got he's on Pagong. He's kind of the Richard of Pagong. Uh, without being as upfront, he's very. I think he's playing a deeper game that maybe we're not seeing just. I yet. think, yeah, I think he's highly intelligent. Yeah, and really kind of kooky with his personality. He's being which like, is, he's being like, oh, I'm just a goof. Don't yeah, take me seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's a that's a time worn strategy yeah, for totally. Survivor. Um, maybe based off of what he does. I mean, like, I guess, yeah, I really do. He's young, but I think there's a coarseness to that. That the game yeah. is not as finessed as it should be. Oh, for you're him. right. I you mean, know what like, I mean? but just to say those two things about what is obviously producers trying to get it. Like, so do you have like, is there some romance Yo, blossoming? I, and just be- to I say bet that, they're fucking. I bet they're fucking. But you're never gonna see that. I bet they're fucking. But you're never gonna see that. But even so, like, just to say that to mm-hmm. the thing, like, that's a very like. Watch well, me, producers. Watch me. I guess. That's what I feel. Yes, like. I there was know. like an implicit double entente. Yeah, yeah. There, but at the same time, it's also like I like playing with her as she's a player on this team type yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. I, I, as I remember, as I recall, very sparingly, but I do believe that um, they will come back to this, or he will talk more about his relationship with Colleen yeah, later on. I think, so. I think there's a weird sort of like. I remember it being dehumanization thing of her later on. <laughs> yeah, I remember there being like a fun, weird, awkward dumping moment um, later know. on. Well, yeah. this kind of goes into Sorry also the all new, newly stranded game. Yeah, they did which a little is game show. A really, late at night. it looks like a lot of fun. Like if I was on a desert island and Greg was like, yeah. "I'm gonna do this ga- game for you," I would love Greg. Yeah. So they came back from the forest after I don't know traversing whatever and hanging out, and then they decided, "Hey, get all the castaways together. We're gonna play this." game show yeah, thing game to like night. boost yeah morale it was nice it was great and i didn't think it was contrived either which no, was the nice think, part about it i think greg is literally just like that kind of a like a fucking weirdo he's just a weirdo and i and he's cultivating the non-threatening good feel person yes, you know what i mean exactly. like that image is right there he is working it um, so next thing that we have is the following morning. Gretchen was right. Oh, God. She was fucking right. The shelter does need to be put back more. So Gretchen wanted to put it in the can- uh, canopy. Yeah. And then Bibi wanted to put it in on the beach. On the beach. And I think personally me split the difference you want the beach breeze to get rid of all the insects so you don't want to be way up in the canopy for yeah. that but at the same time you want to be able to be um away from the well, rising which is tide basically exactly what gretchen proposed then and bb's like nope we're going on the beach we're going close to the water no because she was saying that she wanted it actually up in the canopy canopy oh she, okay i mean i yeah i think they should have split the difference obviously but <laughs> that's I don't what think they it, end up doing <laughs> yeah which is good which because is good. it's like a couple days before full moon and the tide is like mm-hmm. inches away from their shelter and you know bb's basically doing this last ditch effort to try and build some sort of water break yeah, so that the sand would dump over top and create a dune. Like, mm-hmm. smart, smart cookie. But, you know, like, way more effort than it's worth than to just, like, you know, have everyone, instead of going out and finding large things to make a water break, just, like... No, I don't agree with that at all. 
He just he had was... the tree trunk and then he had a few extensions so that they could actually carry it over there. But if they had to move the entire shelter, it would be something different. I feel like that would be much more um, difficult. Well, to I guess do. it's only uh, it's only more work because it ends up not working. Exactly. Which, I mean, that's the thing. So that that's yeah, the yeah. thing is it ends up being way more work and everyone gets very mad at him because they spend all this time trying to make a water break and in the end it's they're realizing it's not going to work. Right. You got Joel and him butting heads mm-hmm. and basically it's Ramona and Gretchen trying to keep a petty BB in check because man, when he gets defensive, he gets real petty real quick. Yeah. Joel says something like if I told BB the sky was blue, he'd disagree with me. Yeah. And you know, but then BB comes back with a whole like you let me know when we're building a health club because that's Joel's profession mm-hmm. and then we'll like talk to you or something like it just as much once again as i said earlier just because they have all these accolades doesn't mean that they're all well adjusted or like open yeah. person <laughs> i mean that's a personal attack on yeah. person that yeah. he just like, made straight on. up yeah um back in Tagi, we have dr nipple ring has fastened a magic rod called super pole spoiler <laughs> fishing is not his forte <laughs> So the guy, I, I want you, hate this dude. I want you to write the fucking, like the, the copy on the back of, uh, shitty B movie DVDs, oh, thank you. like straight to DVD. Thank you. I'm going to do all the nipple show ring, notes. That's what nipple we're going to do. Doctor. <laughs> the guy that I can't remember his name, but I really dislike his name's him. His name's Sean. 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 He's a nipple ring doctor. Yeah. More ineffectual than like, I don't know, my own limp dick. Oh, I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> He decides to make a very large and ultimately yeah, ineffectual fishing device. Uh, device. Fishing device. device. Yeah. Uh, fishing device. And I mean, suffice it to say, it's exactly how you thought it would go. It doesn't catch anything. Well, at the same time, here's the thing that really pissed me off. He's walking out directly into open ocean. There are no reefs around. There's nowhere that a fish would actually want to be. There's no vegetation. He's like, well, I guess they're just overfishing this area. I was like, you're so stupid. With the ocean, they're overfishing the whole... He's he's standing waist deep. He just waded into beach water. Basically, and he thought that fish would be there in abundance. They have rafts. (laughs) Go to a reef. I don't know. He's just an idiot. Yeah, and then, of course, yet another uh, indication of Richard's social game. He goes, yeah, I think that the fact that Sean can't catch any fish is is making him really inadequate or, like, feeling really bad about himself. And I was like, yes, Richard, yes. Yes, Richard, yes. Yes. You can't tell on the microphone, but I'm tenting my hands and tapping the tips of my fingers together. Yes, Richard. Truly, it's like accumulate all the information that you can about somebody's weakness. Just store that away. That's totally fine. Tell it to the producers and Mm. lock that shit away. It comes back later. Tell you it does. Pagong. Yeah, we're back at Pagong. And BB is up to his old tricks. <laughs> Again? Yeah. Already? <laughs> oh my gosh. He's such a little nymph. He's such a little. Mm. He is light on his feet. He truly is, like a dancer. Twink- twinkle Toe. BB Twinkle Toe's <laughs> last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> okay. 
So he's, <laughs> here's the main thing. He's washing his clothes in fresh water. He's using canteen water and he's using the pot that they use to cook rice in. And he's washing his clothes and tensions naturally are rising. Everyone comes back like, all right, let's cook some dinner. Uh, what we got some fresh water. We got fact. some rice. We got yeah so that was fun mm-hmm this comes back again to his whole comfort thing yeah my he's survival what, my comfort right. blah 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 he's gonna blah. do what he's gonna do and i was like dude you after what we've learned about you were you doing this in the beginning as a navy seal were you doing this as like really you it, could it, not have so i feel like this just comes with the privilege of like it must be like it must be like in a in reaction to it like as a person who's now retired having done retired, all of that wealthy, stuff yeah he's yeah. probably just like i've done all of that i've done enough i should I have don't what i need want to do it on yeah. a fucking tv show yeah. i think that's sort of his mentality ramona says it best because mm-hmm. he just keeps talking about this me 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 i don't want to vote on this i don't want to vote on that if i think i need to wash my clothes i'm going to wash them and she's just like it's not about i it's about us like There's we're no a I team, team. Well, she doesn't say that, Alex, but because basically. Um, she had to throw up halfway through. And she goes, there's no I. It's about us. And then she runs off to puke. Ooh, emotional. Foley work. You like that? Stop. Um, if you puke. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Stop. I'm gonna please, cu- I'll God, cut that out. <laughs> um, so then after this sort of confrontation, BB wants to discuss discuss rather discuss bb wants to discuss the challenge and the immunity he's like you know maybe he wants to throw it yeah he's like maybe we want to get somebody out maybe we want to like deplete our numbers blah 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 blah. which well actually this only happens after we get the tree mail and j pro comes back and again explains tree mail to us um i think he's gotten a haircut he just looks real good. His dimples. I think, I, I think he's gotten the haircut. And like is using a different moisturizer or something because mm-hmm. he looks so beautiful. Well, yeah, it's like he's, he's still really tan, but it's like mm-hmm. more gold. It's like more golden. It's like now. shimmery almost. It's not like yeah. super dark, like burnt type thing. He's like really just shimmery. It's and... making his khaki button up safari shirt look yeah. lighter khaki, who, like who, a lighter shade of khaki yeah. compared to his Who knew that he could actually tan. like juxtapose, like usually a lot of people's skin tones are not working with khaki. You ever have mm-hmm. like too much red or too much yellow? A lot of people are, are too olive for example. I feel um, like olive is a thing that works the most with khaki, well, so we're we, not we on the same know, page. We now know that golden works the best I think khaki. he's olive though, like the way that he tans is olive mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, we'll look at it again. We can go back We can and look, look at pictures we later. We can look at that later. That's something we can do on our own time. Yeah. Um, we don't need to waste more time with this. Um, he explains tree mill again, and it's good. And we find out that um, they're all invited to the next immunity challenge. That's right, y'all. There's no reward this week. There wasn't any reward last week, was there? It was both combined last week. I'm still waiting for Survivor to like meet Be Survivor. Yeah. Come on, guys. Get to it. So they're like invited to this very chill, like long wooden table. It's called the Starving Survivor Cafe. Yes. And they have this fishbowl of larva. They're called, they're beetle larva called Puton. 
Which and is like Jeff, Poutin. Jeff, it's Poutin. <laughs> basically. It's basically it's gravy uh, on the, top the of national... a lot of like beetle larvae. The... Oh, God. <laughs> Cheese curds, gravy, beetle larvae. Um, no. JP, uh, a.k.a. J-Pro, a.k.a. Bay, Jeff Probst, um, <laughs> refers to it as Borneo Sushi. Yeah, man. Because he's up with this. He's down with it. Um... Yeah, so they're all sitting one across from the other, uh, tribe against tribe type of thing. And the immunity challenge is the first person that refuses to eat the larva um, loses, basically. They it's out. weird because it's like they have no time limit. The structure of this challenge and of this immunity challenge is really absurd to me because they're all just like hanging out and eating larva. Yeah. <laughs> and like, of course, no one's going to say no to it because at least try, you stupid son of a bitch. Well, it's really difficult for like the first people. And then as time goes on, people are like, oh, they all did it. So I guess yeah. it's not that bad. Truly, how bad could these larvae taste? I've eaten bugs before. It's uh, not like, bad. And like, honestly, if if you know it's like a thing people eat, like, OK, there's still it's a cuisine. They're yeah. still alive and they're very large mm-hmm. and they are very moving. People eat slugs all the time and snails. I think it, but it's very rare for someone to have to um kill something of that size with their teeth while it's still wriggling mm. um depends on where you, yes okay oh do you do, you do that a depends. lot well, um, when you eat like ants sometimes you're biting off the heads how often, but how often do you do that and how how many ants have you eaten that are the size of like well no when i did actually eat ants they were like really large but african ants type deal they were not small you're not gonna try and tell me that the ants you ate were the size of that beetle larva they were trying to eat that thing was huge probably not but it was it substantial. was big. it wasn't like small ant type shit Anyway, I don't want to like discount your experience, Alex. <laughs> like your truth is your truth. It's totally and fine. I just want to or like you eating crickets. Totally fine. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so they have this like kind of fear factor thing happening. Totally fear factor. But it's not really. They just have to bite it off the heads. But later in the challenge, that kind of gets <laughs> thrown to the wayside. Yeah, everyone's like, downing. "Fuck it, I'll eat the head. I don't give I was a like, shit." You don't understand. Don't eat the head. <laughs> it's gonna bite your intestines. Um, oh God! Truly, I was thinking about the ramifications of eating that, and like how much time it would have while it was in contact with your stomach fluid to bite your stomach. Yeah, to bite I, the like yeah. the walls of your stomach or in, or like your intestine. We could ask Sean. He's a neurologist and he has a nipple ring. He'd probably know. Hey, I won't because I hate Sean, but <laughs> but thank you for that. It comes um, down to advice. everyone Everyone does it. and Yeah, no one opts out of it. So then the, each a tribe is given the, the chance to choose the weakest member that they, well, that they perceive to be the weakest member of each tribe. And then of they the go opposite tribe, yeah. head to head. So we have Jervis and then we have Stacy. And they have two larvae that they have to eat. And whoever eats both of those larvae, fastest, yeah. the fastest, um, wins the immunity challenge. And we we were presented with two very different tactics. Jervis mm. goes with the both in the mouth at the same time, chew as fast as you can. Stacy goes with the one at a time, swallow whole method. Which 
which obviously wins. Yeah, from the very beginning, I mean, you had a whole round of I mean, what, God. like 16, 15, 14 people doing it's this like, ahead of you? Were you not paying attention, Jervis? Yeah. Come on, dude. Well, he was already psyched out, like from the very he beginning. Was. He, he was the first one to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had trouble with it. So, so Jervis ta- Toggy wins. Toggy wins. Yes. And Pagong is going to tribal, and they put on this very cute tribal uh, war paint on their face, mm-hmm. which is like an ash mixture of something. They're talking about, like, before they go, Ramona's talking about how it feels like Judgment Day. Colleen's, like, crying in a corner. Bibi and... I don't know why Colleen is crying. Bibi and Gretchen are, like, we find out, have become, like, pretty good friends in the past, like, six days or whatever. And Gretchen kind of knows Bibi's going home because Bibi wants to go home and everyone's going to vote for him anyway. And... And she kind of gets this sense like BB's going. Yeah. And she starts getting emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're comforting each other. It's like, it's like, you know, it's stupid, but I thought it like, was kind fair of, enough. I thought it was kind of uh, nice to see people's just like quiet reactions to. I guess, but I, fe- I felt like most of it was out of place. Like I couldn't narratively place well, it I mean, as Colleen's to being attributed. Out of place. Well, that's the thing. Like just shots Colleen of people was. crying doesn't mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just mean, I, I think it was really nice that Gretchen and BB have through all their <laughs> headbutting have become quite good friends. It's great. Why the fuck is Colleen crying? Why the fuck is Colleen <laughs> crying? Anyway, it's tribal council. So we get, it's night six mm-hmm. tribal council. Mm-hmm. Um, Colleen is asked by Jeff Probst something about something. And she says, you know, two to three strong leaders. She has a lot of good words for everybody. She's pretty much aimless mm-hmm. in most of her answers. Uh, the next person that is talked to is Jervis. And he said that he let the team down, but otherwise, like, we cool. Yeah. And then finally we get to Jenna. Who, who Probst says is the team's cheerleader. Which I thought is I didn't like, appreciate that. Yeah, I'm like, mm, right. yeah, right. you're saying that she's not good at anything. She's <laughs> anyway. she's there for morale. She's there for morale. Um, but she gave an equally innocuous and uninteresting answer of being really sad and like feeling like a family. It's like losing a family member. Yeah, and I was like, no. Um, and then we get down to voting. Everybody, which is where we <laughs> paused. Oh, you're right. <laughs> would you vote out um it would be a pretty strong vote for bb Mm. why because why two reasons two (laughs) reasons why two reasons main one being the fact that he wants to go anytime anyone on the game starts hedging their bet ever no. Yes, Jordan. Yes. They're going to be trying to sink the ship. He's like, maybe we should throw this one. He's going to keep saying, maybe we should throw this one every step of the way. Here's the thing. Here's what? the thing. If you can confidently predict someone's move, regardless of the state that you're in, take that over not having the ability to predict your other teammates' actions. You know, if you kept BB. And if he continued on in this feeling of, I want to get out, I want to get out, I want to get out, and you wouldn't let him be voted out, you still knew what his end game was. So you could use that to your advantage. That's not good in team challenges, though. This is the point. Then I he mean, sits they'd... out. 
you've stumped me. <laughs> you've stu- you've completely stumped me. That's a good, you know what? That's a good point. Because so in he, that case, if you did, yeah, if you didn't vote him out or if that's the end of your tribal council, then you still have one more member than the other team. So he's going to be the one to sit out and you decide that because he's so despondent about everything. Well, the other, it brings me back to my other reason, which is that he is poor leadership mm-hmm. and he demands to be in a leadership role. That's why you castrate him immediately post tribal council. Like, no, he, if he I, decided that he wanted to leave, then he is no longer in a position to start making orders for anyone. Then he's just going to hang out. As how do you dead do that weight. in a in a tribe that has not? But it, that's that's a three day process. What happens during those three days? Mm-mm. That's a you use someone dumb like Stacy to make a point again. You feed her things. Three day process. No. One day process. As soon as you come back, that's what you say. That's the speech. And then the next day, everybody starts pulling their weight, which only has to take one or two or three people to come together. And then everybody else will decide, oh, this is the new status quo. I I get what you're trying to say, but mm-hmm. I, I still think it's just not feasible. I think when I someone wants to I mean, it's certainly easier leave, to get yeah, rid of him. But it's not just easier. Mm-hmm. It, it It's like it makes so much more sense that in this early stage of the game, we know that the most important part mm. going into the merger, which is something they're not thinking about, but right. it's something that I would be thinking about. The most important part is getting rid of anyone you think could detract from your ability to win immunity. And he, to me, more than anyone else, he and Ramona both, but mostly he in his willingness to want to throw things I would be most in, in the way of that. In this stage of the game, in the early stage of the game, and I was trying to think about this actually as well on my own, is there any other strategy that you can take instead of trying to ensure that you have the most numbers coming into the merge? Because that's your alliance. If you have the yeah, most numbers yeah. coming in, I mean, I don't know, I can't think of an example Unless, so maybe you had like one person got whittled down to two person per tribe, basically. So this person had, they were only two of them in the tribe, but then they fucked shit up and they did their own thing. But the general tactic is to take as many people as possible into the merger yeah. and you want to be five strong, basically. Basically. Well, it d- depends, I guess, on when they decide the merger is because it changes sometimes. But like seasons. you want to have the majority. And yeah. I can't think of any other instance really where the advantage was having lesser people. Well, the only time that would ever be an advantage is if there's internal conflict in the larger tribe, which I think also BB would stir up. So say he was really good at this is what I mean for my second point, which mm-hmm. is that he demands to be in leadership and right. also is a bad leader for the purposes of this. Right. Um, so in that case, you're having dissent amongst the tribe. So even if you do end up, even if he doesn't keep you from having more people going to the merger, mm-hmm. he's going to be a divisive factor and he's going to leave room for the smaller tribe to come in and start flipping people. Okay. I mean, I can see that. I can definitely see that. But what I will say is I doubt anyone that voted him out today I also agree with that. About that. <laughs> and that so much of the early type of strategizing is not even strategizing within itself. It's, it's just more like, like, who do I want to live with for the next three days? Yeah, because like, <laughs> that's, it's just, uh, anyway, so the people that I would vote out. The person. You only get to vote one person. All right. Um, I don't <laughs> think that, but I have two options and I don't think you any of them are one. on this. I don't 
think any of them are on this tribe. Oh, no. Are St- you can't do that. You're breaking the rules of the are game. Are Stacy and Sean on this tribe? No, they're not. You have to pick someone from from Pagan. Fine, I'll vote out BB because I don't give no shits, and like I'll go along with it. And everyone's like, oh, "I'm so glad he's gone." I'll be like, "Oh yeah, me too." And I'll be like, secretly not okay with it because he did a lot of work. And, and then be, just be like, wishing that I could have voted out Sean or Stacy, who I don't even know yet. <laughs> I agree. Uh, if we're going whole, whole survivor cast, I would have voted Sean. Yeah. Bye bye. Um, but I think at this point, if I were in their position, yeah, I'd definitely vote BB. Everybody was voting BB. VB. BB, rather. Um, Spoiler alert. Um, BB gets voted off. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about that, though, that I was surprised about is the fact that Gretchen voted for him. Yeah, I was too, but I also think that Gretchen, that's one of the reasons why she was so emotional. Because she decided, like, she thought it was best for the tribe, but she really became, like, she came to like him as a person. Yeah, well, she said, she's like, this is my first choice, and I was like... (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So, make your first choice, girl, come on. (laughs) It just, yeah, the fact that she voted for him... When she didn't have to in terms of numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. She didn't have to actually do that, but she did. And I was like, Gretchen, what you doing? Why are you doing this? But also, I, I suppose, like, he's the lowest hanging fruit at this point. He said he didn't want to be there. I still don't the understand the psychology the of, of that, though. You know, he's like, yeah, he just wants to save face. And I was like, how? And they're like, oh, yeah, by... by he sa- wants to get voted off instead of quitting. It's the same thing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to B2R, Back to Reality, a reality TV time machine. Mm-hmm. I am Alex. And I am Jordan. Good. Uh, that's very good. <laughs> um, you can contact us on Twitter at thisisb2r, or you could email us at uh, thisisb2r at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to donate. A little bit of itty bit of cash. That's Grilla Manila. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Throw a little something our way. We have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash this is B2R. Um, yeah, we are looking for um, whatever sums you would like to donate. Listen, we Make got sure an- that they're American dollars, though, yeah. because we've gotten into some trouble before. With And then just make sure they're American dollars. Thank you. And, and like... The reason we got into this game, the podcast game mm-hmm. in the first place, obviously, is to stack, to stack mad paper, Shmoney. right? And I think everyone who gets in the podcast game is trying to do the same thing. Right, right. One of the most lucrative pl- pr- professions. Yeah, so that's Next what we're like, trying to do. Yeah. We're just trying to make lots of money. And, we just want this to be um, our only job. Yeah, I mean. Day in, day out, you, me, at the mics. At the mics. Never leave. No. <laughs> A loud slurp of wine. Mm, my goodness. Um. <sighs> Next week on Back to Reality. Dirk is preaching. He's a preaching, preaching. Son of a preacher, man. Maybe. <laughs> um, also, Jenna, uh, she has the hunger. <laughs> you know what she has the hunger for, Alex? Dicks. Oh, God. No, rats. She has the hunger for rats. Oh, my God. Yes, you're right. Everybody's really interested in eating rats. Not, yes, so rats. Rats.
cuts. Those are the things that they're interested in eating. Cut! <laughs> cut! Stop! <laughs> <laughs>